Preeti Chibber. And I'm Jen Northington, and this is Tarvalin or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. We are rereading the books, talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite moments, and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And this is our first dive into episode one of the television show, which kind of, like, the actual happening of the television show, like, inspired this this podcast, I would say, to finally come to being. Yeah, 100%. I don't think... I don't think if they had announced the show, we would be doing this. Right? Because I remember we were <laughs> hilariously, <laughs> I think when we were doing our original reread mm. series for Book Riot, like eight years ago. I was just going to say a thousand years ago. <laughs> I think in the midst of that is when the option was announced, mm. I feel like. And we got really... I, well, there were those whole shenan- shenanigans with the ownership, though, too. Like, yeah. so-and-so owned it, but then they sold it to them, and then they, like, aired an episode at midnight on, like, to, a like, Thursday hold on to, to hold to the, the rights, and then they got sold again, and we were like, we're never getting this TV show. We're never show. getting like, this never TV happening. show. And then it, like, became real, like, actually real, like a I don't know, a year and a half ago or whatever, whenever we started this podcast. A year ago, I think, actually. Yeah, pretty much a year ago. Yeah, like we we started talking about wanting to do this. (laughs) Can we pause for a moment to appreciate the fact that we've been doing this for a year and we're just on book four? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I earlier today I was like, man, I cannot believe we're already like, well, by the time this episode drops, we will be finished with book four. That's right. Which we are in we're real life. We're recording a little early. We're, yeah. we're recording a little early. We got screeners. Um, we did get screeners, which makes our lives so much easier. And can I just tell you all that I have been pretending not to have seen the show. <laughs> I am the worst at this. I'm so bad at this. How do you do this? It's really hard. You just like pretend a lot. <laughs> I don't know what to say. People are like, hey, what about this? And I'm like, I don't know. Hmm. You just say like, I have no idea. I like I've literally. bite my tongue. Everything is a guess yeah. and and not putting any sort of like opinion. So like right. we're, we're guessing. We're, we're always guessing. Um, and we're not going to tell you when <laughs> this. full of lies. We will not tell you when this episode is being recorded. No. So like you don't know. <laughs> um, so we are very excited because so we are going to talk about the first episode of the Wheel of Time television show written this one is written by the showrunner, Rafe Judkins. Um, I think later on, we'll likely see episodes that are written by other people. They have like a whole staff. They have like a book expert on staff. Um, I was lucky enough to like interview the, the creator and some of the cast like a couple whenever ago. <laughs> and uh, I think everyone uh, everyone is very excited and cares deeply about the story. I will say that. I think... Mm. There are going to be things that we disagree with. Surprise. But, <laughs> surprise. But at its heart, it it really feels like there's a deep, deep care for what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Just maybe choices were made that I don't necessarily think were the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. But but all right, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So it's called leave taking, first mm-hmm. of all, which like Pointed, a pointed title. <laughs> Very pointed title. And we we've known, we've known that Moiraine is a much bigger focus, right? Like, yeah. Like she, unlike the first book, which is gonna be very well, I'm I'm gonna have stuff to say about this later as we get further along, but like we know that the show and the marketing and all of this, it's like Rosamond Pike is the focus of this television show. Yeah. In a way that Moiraine is not. 
Mm-hmm. In the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh it's like if Gandalf was the main character of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> this isn't gonna be our first Gandalf mention no, because I have Gandalf not. written down in my oh, notes yeah. later on. Oh yes. <laughs> so many Lord of the Rings moments. <laughs> but yeah, it is it's a very interesting move, and you really see it in the opening because what mm-hmm. you see is Moira, you hear her like telling few things about the breaking of the world and the dragon and how male Aes Sedai no 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 no. she does not say the words Aes Sedai and I think it's very pointed she starts with so it's voiceover Rosamund Pike she's like very like getting ready for battle sort of sequence but like very which I appreciated like it felt very genderless yes right like she's just like Getting ready, putting on her suspenders, which <laughs> and I that love. Coat with the shoulders. And I, I loved oh. it. Loved yeah. everything about it. Um, the costume designer is Isis Masundin, which I wrote down because I wanted to remember because yeah. I was like, I love the look of all of mm-hmm. this so much. But Moiraine says the world is broken. The, the world was broken many, many years ago by men who were born with great power and believed they could cage darkness itself. And they do say it's like. You know, there is this person called the dragon. They don't mention Luce Theron. They don't mention that the men were eyes to die. And it mm-hmm. felt very much like White Tower talking points. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, we were not involved in that. That was not us. <laughs> like, we, we had nothing to do with this. Like, no, this happened. No. It happened and we're mad about it. But, like, yeah. we were we were not a part of this narrative. No, no. We're just left to pick up the pieces. Like, it's totally not our fault. I was like, okay, All sure. right. All right. <laughs> I like, did. Oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> I did think it was cool that we were getting a very specific time frame, right? Like, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. there was this prophecy. We know that the dragon has been reborn. And we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this earlier. That's a cool move, right? To like acknowledge that they don't know the gender of the dragon reborn, but it's also still very gender binary. Yeah, I, uh, we're gonna. It's it's frustrating because I think I at least, and many of us, and I think I can a little bit speak for you when I say that I wish we the the show was already pushing the boundaries a little further into what we now know as the expanse of gender versus the gender binary. And it does feel like it's kind of subverting in ways that aren't quite as subversive as I would hope for a show that is coming out right now. Yeah. Would agree. Yeah. Right. So, so that I guess off the top, like that's just acknowledging that this didn't push any it didn't push as far as I think either one of us would have hoped yes so (laughs) at least from what we've seen so far anyway. yeah for for what we've seen so far which is we are really only talking about the first episode in Mm -hmm. this podcast episode and also we are going to talk about like what we know from the books and how we think yes those things interact with one another um because I don't think at least based on this episode the show does not go very far beyond what we know to be true in what we've read of the first four books. Yeah, I believe we talked about this in an earlier episode where they've said in a Q&A, oh, no, I think I posted it on the Patreon. Rafe Judkins and Rosamund Pike did a Q&A after that oh, trailer yeah. drop. And they were talking about, like, somebody asked what we'll see in season one. And they said season one would include stuff from books one and then a little bit from two and three. So we know that season one is not going to get to where we are in the books. Which is good because I, I 
I don't remember things and I don't want to be spoiled for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so we get this kind of voiceover from, from Moiraine, which sets up a very like, sl- not very, but like slightly different perspective mm-hmm. from what we know from the books. And then we immediately cut to the red Aja, like hunting down this man who can channel, who is already mad. Yeah. Because he's, he's talking to somebody who isn't there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. It's so scary. It's it's such a like the the opening scene sequences of this first episode are so intense. Like you yes. have this like very like serious woman like girding up, and then Daniel Henny, you know, is playing Lan and like comes to her side and they march off. And then you go to these men running somewhere else, and there's the red Aja chasing them. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, channeling happens right away. These rocks come down and and the woman, the blonde red Aja woman is like so unnerving. Oh my gosh. Like very scary looking, like either, uh, an, like definitely like in a, she's, she's blonde. So like definitely in a Leda or a Leandrin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like with those honey colored braids. <laughs> so she doesn't have braids. She does not have braids. I couldn't really, I tried to pause, but I couldn't yeah, really yeah. see what her hair or not, situation not obvious like. braids anyway. Yeah. Not obvious braids. Um, and there's, yeah, she uses the power. We don't see the power in this moment though. So that's like close up of her, like growling, angry face. And then a close up of the man screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it cuts to Moiraine and Lan who are watching. Before we we go back to that, I, one of the parts that was so intense and like also gross is that she says to this guy. Ew, I hated this. You like men shouldn't touch it. You make it dirty. Which is just so like vomit emoji here. It's just very and and I I feel like you could read that two ways. You Uh could read that as this is just her opinion about Mm -hmm. what happens when men touch the source or you could read it as Tarval and talking points we don't really know which it is at this point it, yeah that's true we I don't know because I feel like we are meant to be afraid of her we are meant that's like true. she is clearly in this position of power she is clearly like un- being unnecessarily cruel to somebody who mm-hmm. is afraid and unclear <gasps> of where he is or what he's doing so I think we are meant to hear her and disagree and be okay. discomfited by what she's saying mm. when she says this power, it is meant for women and women alone. When yeah. you touch it, you make it filthy. Like mm. that to me says someone who I am not supposed to like based on the way she was presented gotcha. in this script, gotcha. right? Like yeah. she's punching down in this moment. Right. Well, I like, hope so. I hope that's the... That's the, how I felt. I mean, I think you're right, but also it's, you know, we know from the books that that's not what happens, uh, that like the source itself. Yeah, we do. So, excuse me. So it's very, so, so I can't, it's hard for me to remove those, those contexts. I think we could still think of it maybe as a white tower talking point, especially based on what Moiraine said Mm -hmm. in her voiceover, which is that it's powerful men who are at fault here. Like, I think maybe this is leading to a fallibility in the Aes Sedai and their mm. obsession with gender, with the gender binary, essentially, yeah. that men right. are one way and women are one, another. And maybe this is where they're pushing that idea of the binary is flawed and we shouldn't think of it in a binary. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm extrapolating yeah. a lot, but like, 
I, I think it could very easily go right. down that route based on what we've in the like five minutes we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So then we go back to Moiraine and Lan. Who are watching yeah. all of this from like a clip top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Moiraine is like. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Can I just say though? Like Daniel Henney. <laughs> Bless. Just bless you, sir. I was so excited when he was cast, and I feel very validated by how good he is. Yeah. Yes. Agree. Agree. That's all. That's There's going to be more Daniel Henney feelings later in this episode. And more Daniel Henney, period. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> so, so they're standing on this cliff overlooking this situation that's happening below. And they're both very, like, stone-faced. They're not mm-hmm. really reacting. Um, and then Moiraine turns to Lan and goes, it's not him. And Lan yeah. is like, are you sure? Like, he's the right age, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it's not him. And we don't know how she knows that we're not given any information. She's just like, it's not him. So he's like, all right, where do you want to go next? And then she says, we're going to two rivers. There are rumors of four Taviran, which like, I have like so many thoughts about. I'm like, okay, A, four, 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 B, who's spreading rumors about Taviran? I know, right? Who even knows enough about Taviran to be like, oh, I hear that there are four in two rivers. (laughs) Like what? Like who? Who has, who who made this choice? (laughs) Like, although it, it, it tracks with how cavalier she is with her information later on. I think that I think that in this world, in this version of the land of wheel of time, people are just like talking shit left and right. (laughs) I know what Taveran is. Yeah. 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 But four, four is exciting. So like, I think, I, I think we can, by the end of the episode, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, like whatever yeah. we're talking about spoilers. We know it's a Gwaine and I am very excited that it's a Gwaine, mm-hmm. although I have some issues with it, not in a bad way, just in a, in yeah. a, a, a slight feeling of loss, loss way. Indeed. Um, and we still don't know from the trailer who the five are. Because there was that that part of the trailer that recently dropped that it was like the five oh, yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah, we yeah. don't know who five is. We only know we, we, we only, only know four. four as of this episode. Um, and so then we cut to two rivers <laughs> and the women's circle doing some kind of invented thing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I will say that one thing I noticed both in this scene and in later scenes is that they varied the kind of braid that everybody has. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Braid is not the same as Egwene's braid. It is not the same as Marin's braid. It is not the same as other characters' braids. Like everybody gets their own version yes. of the braid, which I really love because it honors the hair types of the women they cast. Yes, I agree. I think they were very thoughtful about a lot of this yeah and and you can see it's it's like a brief aside to say it's very refreshing like we knew it from the casting we knew it from the the trailers we've seen but it is immensely refreshing to see a cast that looks like this in a fantasy series yeah and with no sort of like caveats or reasons for them to mm-hmm. look the way they do they it just is which is which is awesome yeah amazing uh, so they're on there. The, all the women from Two Rivers, or who are part of this, the the women's circle, are walking to the top of this like sort of like cliffside, like I don't know what you call that particular structure of land because I don't know these sorts of things. It's a cliff and, over a right, river. Is it a cliff? Yeah, I, sure. I don't know. 
Um, but they're sitting there and they're they're having this like Nynaeve, gonna get used to that. Nynaeve is talking to Egwene who's being who's going through this sort of like ritual thing and she's talking about the braid and there's a woman who is braiding uh, Egwene's hair and she says, the braid will remind you that you are part of us and we are part of you. To be a woman is to be always alone and never alone, which I actually quite liked. Mm. Like, I don't love the, again, the binary part, but I liked that mm. idea of what the braid is meant to represent. Sure, yeah. Which it, it felt very true and authentic to me in terms mm-hmm. of these women and the way they interact with one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they push her off a cliff. <laughs> into the, They're like, trust the river. And then they push her into the river and she has and to float along. Such, it's such a weird moment because everybody's like laughing and chatting. And like yeah. The and then ground. it's just like, boom. And then, yeah. And then Eva's like, trust the river, push. And Egwene screams, which yep. implies to me she does not know that that's going to nope. happen. And then you see her like floundering and like getting injured until she finally like relaxes and floats. And then, you know, comes to a sand bank. And then gets so much sand in her braid. Yeah, so much much sand. So much sand. Uh, And and I still am just sort of like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it it felt like a little like we need a ritual. So we're going to write this in, but we're not going to think too hard about it. Yeah, like uh, and then you get pushed off a cliff. And you just have to you just have to accept circumstance, I guess. Like it was, it was strange. I'm actually not sure what we're meant, because if it's trust the river, why? Yeah, right, right. Like why? Right, and what does that have to do with any of the other things that are part of this ritual? Like, yeah, it doesn't. It just no. it looked cool. I guess it I guess. It, it looked very <laughs> cinematic and cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't I didn't totally understand the point of that. But no. fine. It was like an introduction to what the women's circle is in this show and what. Nynaeve is to the women's circle and what mm. Egwene is to the women's circle and so it gave us those but it's still it felt very in service of what we need to happen versus in service of story mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and then we cut to Rand and Tam and Bella <laughs> <laughs> and Bella <laughs> the most important horse in the wheel of time disagree <laughs> Justice for Pips. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Rand is, I will say, Rand is very, sw- uh, this is the thing with Rand, as even he's like losing it in the books, right? But yeah. he's still, and something I think they did, despite like, I think our some of our reservations with the this aging up and, yeah. and some of the stuff, they did kind of maintain a lot of sweetness. Mm-hmm. to the kids like it's yes. not this is not game of thrones no like we'll get into like some of the other stuff later but like this is it's very it's far 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 more innocent than game of thrones yeah there is a sweetness to it i do really like that they held that yeah so you get this nice moment of like rand and tam are on their way to bring you know the brandy or whatever to to bell time and they're chatting about things and like how the wolves are coming down farther and how rand used to run around and like pick berries and keep some for Egwene and like it's this really nice this really nice father-son moment Mm -hmm. it's like a nice setting up of like a what we're clearly meant to see is like a strong relationship but like with with the father and son like these are not this is not a father with like a grown son. This is a father with like a growing son. Mm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Which I, I mean, they're all declared to be 20, but yes. clearly in this world, that is still like, yes. you're just barely coming of age. Exactly. But, the, but they are coming of age, yes. right? I think that's so important because that was a piece that I think a lot of us were very worried was not yes. going to be in this show mm-hmm. and that there was going to be like more cynicism. And there yeah. really isn't like it's, there isn't a lot of guile in the writing, which I am very thankful for. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I didn't want that from my Wheel of Time babies. <laughs> no, I agree completely. Go, 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 go. Well, I was just going to say, and then we get to the inn. Yes. And we get Matt the Gambler, your, your trash I, son. Okay, can I just, it's so sweet. It's like Rand and Perrin are sitting and chatting and Matt's, Matt's like gambling and losing. Um, and he loses a he loses a role after being like, I'm going to win this. I'm going to make so much money. <laughs> and he loses the role um, to this woman who he eyes this like bracelet she's wearing. Mm-hmm. So we know that's going to come back later. Um, but she leaves and Rand and Matt and Perry. It's just like a lovely friendship moment. Like when Rand asks, how are you? I was like, yeah. oh, my God. No, it felt like very real. It actually, to me, felt in this episode that they were closer and stronger friends than they even do in that first book. Hmm. Because that book is so Rand POV. Yeah. Like we actually get to see a friendship here that doesn't really make it onto the page in the same way in the books I felt. I'll buy that. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. Sure. Uh, there were a couple of other moments actually that I have marked down that I was like, oh, look at the friends, look at them being right, friends. yeah, because there's yeah. there's like a few of those throughout the episode. Um, we also get here's the the uh, uh, yeah the the Perrin reveal that Perrin is married, and like I having watched this whole episode, I do not understand how they couldn't think of another way to do what they wanted to do with this. Yeah. Right? Agree. Agree. I don't do we are we gonna want to get into it now or do we want to wait for it? To uh, let's wait until let's let's wait, I guess. Like this is okay. just the reveal where Matt is like, you're married and you don't have a life anymore. Right, right. Like, okay, we get it. It's it's right. a weird stereotype that right. for some reason persists yeah and 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 then Egwene comes in and and clearly there's like you know everybody's celebrating they give her a standing ovation ovation she survived drowning she should get a standing ovation I know (laughs) and uh (laughs) and like Rand is clearly like conflicted about how much he wants to talk to her but she's but he's like he's like pining and it's kind of cute and Perrin's like it's fine like she's just busy yeah yeah so it's <laughs> it's very sweet uh yeah see. so it's like you know her parents on the and her parents who I, I believe at least her mother is played by a south asian actress which yes. i was like yes um Egwene herself um is played by an indigenous actress though i think mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Madeline Madden is her name. Madeline Madden, thank you. I was like trying to get to the IMDb on my phone. Madeline Madden. Um, but <laughs> this is so they're all like partying in the inn. Everyone's having a good time, getting waste face. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
fucking land shows up (laughs) with his hood pulled forward and just kind of stands there all dramatic like for a second which I loved and then guess who talks to him first (laughs) just saying Nynaeve is like who are you sir (laughs) and then he like pulls back the hood and we're all like god you're so hot but and then he says Lan and the way he's pronounces Lan's last name is not at all how I have ever said it in my head I like paused it and I tried to say it how he said it and I was like I can't do that because I think I I I say it wrong I'm not doing it I just say it wrong (laughs) I don't even remember his full name so I mean I know there's a lot of like oh yeah Mondragoran is that it is that, that is it. That is it. it. But okay. he doesn't say it like that. I feel like he puts the emphasis like Mandragoran or, or something like that. Mandragoran. Yeah, I think Which you're is right, very actually. difficult for me to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Moiraine comes in. Yep. And he he's like, hi. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't say that she's Aes Sedai, but she like you know, Marin is like, oh, welcome, lady. And she's like, I will require these things. And she, like, makes a big deal out of kind of flipping her ring. Yep. And Marin is like, yes, Moiraine Sedai. And so, like, there's no there's no fake names. Nope. There's no stealth. There's no, nope. she's just like, what up? I'm a nice Sedai. <laughs> Get yep. me a bath. <laughs> it's very funny. Like, it's just like she comes and she's like, kind of flings her way into the room and then stands at the the fire for a second and it's clearly she's like there she's doing it very what I liked about it was like it felt very deliberate because she's clocking every single person in that room to see like how old they are do they fit the description like what are we doing and you can see her doing it and so it it made sense to me this action and the and this introduction I think by virtue of the show I think what did Rafe say it's gonna be like eight seasons at least yeah. he has mapped out eight seasons it's been picked up for two there's a lot they got to get through. So yeah. you got to dispense with some of that that secrecy. <laughs> we don't have time for we don't have time for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So then Maureen looks at everybody around, like figures out what she's doing and Marin takes her off to her like room or whatever. And Perrin leaning against a wall, like everybody's been watching all of this and Perrin's like, she looks like a normal person. <laughs> and Rand immediately is like, be quiet. You don't know what she can hear, which I thought was very funny and like a good way to show us kind of immediately <laughs> what this dynamic is like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there's clearly like a real like she looks normal but we don't know what she can do like they don't know they know what I said I are but they Mm -hmm. don't know what that means exactly yeah Yeah. it's clearly like some kind of like lore that they have to process and are are seeing in real life for the first time also Nynaeve is holding her knife this entire time her hand does not move from her knife from like land's entrance on it's it's good stuff. It is. Um, good, but good then character stuff. Nynaeve comes over to Perrin and Rand. Yes. And there's this like really weird moment where Nynaeve has to like remind Perrin about <laughs> his own wife who is working in the forge, I guess. Yeah. She's like, where's Layla? And he says something about she's probably at the ironworks. And she's like, well, it's hard to forge on your own. You should go it's, check on her. And you're like, so what? weird. Why? Like, Perrin's a blacksmith. I think right? he knows. Like, so. the whole situation is weird because then he goes to the forge yeah. and it's like 
the weirdest fucking scene. Right. Because she's, like, mad about something. Like, she's clearly very agitated. Like, she's, like, working really hard. And he, like, comes in. He's like, they said you didn't even go to the ceremony. And she, like, doesn't say anything. And then he's like, I love you. And she doesn't. She's like, I know. And that's all that she said. Like, we don't have any sense of, like, what her deal is. What their relationship is like. Like, what is going on? It's, It's a very strange scene that I really genuinely don't know what we're meant to take no. from it. Because what I took from it is that it's two people who were forced into being married who, like, don't like each other very much or don't know each other. Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. It was it was just really strange. It's very strange. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I, it doesn't make sense because I don't understand what the point of her character nope. is. Nope. Even knowing what's coming, I don't understand no, the point of her no, character. No, there are like it, a billion other ways to do what they're trying to do here. And it and doesn't even seem like they like each other. No, no, right? no. Like, There's no connection. There's no sense of connection there. On the other hand, oh my gosh, the next scene, which we have talked about Matt and the books versus Perrin and Rand yes. and how Matt is a much easier character because he has so much personality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason to sort of like invent anything for him, but they still manage to give him like this wonderful backstory where you like you, he's a good boy in a bad situation making choices he doesn't need to make but feels forced to like that's yeah. immediately you see it right 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 because so he finds his mom outside mm-hmm. and she's plastered yep and she we learn that like she's out there watching his dad hit on some other woman yep which apparently is par for the course yep and so matt takes her home And she is verbally abusive to him. Like, Mm -hmm. she is just full of bile and bitterness. And we learn that Matt has two very young sisters. Who he clearly cares, like, deeply for. And he's just like... You know, you like she basically is like you're gonna turn out just like your dad, a total prick, and mm-hmm. it's it's such a hard moment. And then Matt's like, "All right, girls, like you're gonna sleep with me tonight," and you're just like, "Oh my god, Aww. buddy!" And like this is so this is a like dysfunction, if not mm-hmm. a trauma, for this yes. character, right? Like he clearly has some difficulty in his background that is absolutely not at all in the books. So they're like complicating the character mm-hmm. here. They're making it a bit darker, still not like Game of Thrones levels, but definitely darker. Yeah. Taking away some of his innocence. Mm-hmm. And but it works because it all makes sense. Like the way that the characters are relating to each other is clear. Everybody's like stakes are clear mm-hmm. and you see like what he cares about. He cares about his sisters. He cares about his mom, even though it's really complicated hateful. and hard. It's <laughs> painful. And like his dad is a jerk. So like, okay, now we know where he's coming from with like the gambling and like the eventual stealing. Like it makes sense. It does. And and even if there is this like slight loss of innocence, like it it he maintains an innocence mm. because of his the way he reacts. Like he does react like a young son who wants his mother to like love him, even if yeah. she doesn't, right? Who knows that like 
as a young son, he has to be there for his sisters as the older brother. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't, he never feels like a parent taking care of his sisters. No, no. He feels like a brother taking care of his sisters. Yeah. So like there is still that level of innocence, even introducing this darkness into it. Right. And it all works really, really well. And I know that I I think what, what Rafe Judkins has said about aging the characters up is that he felt in a world like this, in a society or community like Emonsfield in Two Rivers, if you have three 20-year-old boys, one of them will be married. Sure. Okay, fine. But. <laughs> sort of. But. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't even, like, begin to know how to like it the whole situation with Layla she has no lines yes there's there are no, no lines. obvious there's no relationship built between the two of them Mm-mm. and then she dies just to traumatize Perrin like it doesn't there's so many other ways to do that so many other ways to do that maybe there'll be stuff later on that make yeah. it clear why they made the choice but in this first episode no and we'll get to that scene too when he yeah. when she dies but like it doesn't it's it was so confused it was I'm like I'm mad about the fridging. Don't yeah. get me wrong; like it's problematic. I don't understand why they would make that choice. I don't understand why no one was in the in the room was like, you yes. know what, fantasy doesn't need right. more like women dying to motivate men's stories. Like, yeah, we don't need it. We don't. I'm more though just confused right. by the entire thing because I don't. It doesn't even feel like the writers believed in it. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't make storytelling sense. It like doesn't. it doesn't make narrative structural sense. Like I just doesn't. It doesn't make, make sense. character sense. No, like I don't no. understand any of it. But no. okay, fine. We we could go on at great length yeah, yeah. about Layla. We could. We could. But then we go back to the inn where uh, they're all kind of. It's like Egwene, Rand, Tam, Marin, and yes. why can't I remember Egwene's dad's name? Uh, it's Master <laughs> Alvir. Obviously, that's his yeah. Name. I know, but what's his first? It's like. <laughs> Does it start with a B? I we've read so many pages of these books, and we've read so much of Perrin being Brand. inside two Brand. rivers. I knew it started with a B. Bran. I was like, we've been literally living in two rivers of Perrin for so long in these friggin' books. Um, Bran is there, and they're cleaning, and they're kind of talking about what happened. And Tam is like, "I said, I don't fight wars." They pull strings from their white tower. And I'm like, "Damn, Tam." Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. and, and so they're like, Marin says something like, why don't you two clean up to Egwene yes. and Rand? And like, I know that, again, we were nervous about like this yeah. aging up. I am kind of okay with it. Yeah. So they like have this like, you know, difficult conversation. It's very it's, sweet. It's very sweet. But like, you know, he's asking about the ceremony and she can't tell him and she's clearly. Well, holding- no, no, hold on. First, there's oh. the kissing. Oh, right. There is. Is that happened first? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Because the kissing happens. Yeah. <laughs> and they have this like very sweet flirtatious thing. And like yes. he brings up the berries and she's yes. kind of like, he like pulls a berry out of his pocket and is like a throwback you know of like yeah being those sweet kids who who fell for each other and she's like i'm not eating your disgusting yes pocket that's berry. been in your pocket all like, day no, that might you. be my favorite line of the whole which is like has that been in your pocket yes. all day and then doesn't eat it because yes. ew um and then there's kissing and i know that people were like well 
that never happens in the books. Like that's, they don't know if like they like each other, but they, you know, we don't know how far it's gone in the books and here they clearly like have sex, Mm -hmm. but it's not on screen. Like it's, it's a fade to black scene, which I was like, great. It is not good. Like it, it felt very much like this and the next scene, which I hate. And we are going to talk about was them being like, look, we recognize that maybe you're coming here because you like Game of Thrones. We're going to let you know right now right. what level of like sex and nudity you can expect from our show. And this is it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Plot kissing scenes. And then this. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get to that part, though, before mm. we get to that part, mm-hmm. so they have this conversation where. No, no, no it's in between. They have the they they no. fade to black for kissing nope. and then it cuts to the Not bath and then they have a conversation. Nope. nope. That's how the my bath notes are. Happens after. No, they kiss. It fades to black. It cuts to the bath scene and then it cuts back to Egwene in the sitting room. No, they have sex before. I promise you. Well, I mean. Yes. No, you're you're not wrong about that. Oh. But there is this moment before they proceed to have unsanitary kitchen sex. Oh, my God. The fade why? to black unsanitary kitchen sex where Egwene is. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're okay. right. You're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. So. So, yes. So <laughs> she's like trying sort of not to tell him, but then finally does tell him that Nynaeve has asked her to be like no that apprentice. is later no that sure? is later i am a hundred percent oh you're right okay what ah! what do they talk about though they talk about something they have right a before moment because they have a moment where he asks her how it went yes and she says you know i can't tell you and he's like it's me just tell me if it was good or bad right right that's what it is okay all right all right and then they get to the sex right the unsanitary kitchen sex. the unsanitary Rose. kitchen Rose. sex Thank you and, for coming along with us on that journey. And because, then they get to the bath scene. Which Go. is my least favorite thing. Surprisingly, my least favorite thing that happens in this episode. That because is I, sort of a surprise given the options. This is, again, a moment where like I think they were just like, we have to do this right off the bat. We have to show... I think they were using it in multiple ways. Like they're like, here's your level of nudity. You're gonna get Daniel Henny butt. You're not gonna get boobs. You're not gonna get anything else. But you'll you might get a butt here and there. Like fine. And then it's like, also we want to show you that Moiraine and Lan are so platonic that they take baths together, and it doesn't mean anything. But it's so weird. <laughs> I hate it so much. First of all, the part where he's like, this water isn't hot enough. Channel it hotter for me. Like, Lan would never. What? Lan would never. Never. And then it'd be like, no, what he says is it could be warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. It's so. Warm it yourself. So out of character. And so it's the first time we see Moiraine using the powers to like warm this bath water. Like, what? so stupid i hate it i hate it (laughs) like i understand the reasoning behind it but like it could have just been them sitting in like her sitting room yes and him being like it's a little warm out there or it's a little cool in here like whatever yeah but no no and there are other ways to show that they are platonic yes it was just weird i agree because like i understand that you want to tell us that this isn't sexy however (laughs) They are both extremely good-looking people. And, like, sorry, narrative, like, tropes are a thing that exist. (laughs) Like, 
acknowledge that this scene would in and many other shows end sexily right. you are giving all of us a lot of confusing feelings and yeah. i don't care for it because lan and moiraine no thank you i right. don't want no. it no 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 i just don't want it i hate nope. it so much it makes me so angry <laughs> like <laughs> Sorry, I just like keep coming back to it. It's like literally, I feel like the show is like, okay, there's your sex and nudity, and now we are moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're gonna get more. I do feel like we're gonna get more. We will. But yes, for this episode, certainly. I think it'll be later on because I don't, we haven't even gotten that far in the books, but I do vaguely remember some like pretty like sexy things that Matt goes through. Yeah, well, dubious consent, sexy things. Very dubious consent, sexy things, right? Like, that happens. That happens. That happens, 100%. Like, later, later, later. Later, 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 later. So, like, I'm sure later things will happen, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. But for this, it did feel very much, they were like, we want to show you what you're getting into, like, right now, so here you go. And then (laughs) then we cut to, like, inexplicably in the common area of the inn. Egwene is sitting there with like a just like a blanket around her post sex Rand comes out in without a shirt on I was like what where are you like anybody could walk into that common room right it's the common room it was like it's so weird so strange so weird and so this is where they now have to have that conversation um Mm. which you can speak to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just, it's like so ingrained on my brain because it's an interesting interaction, right? Like Egwene it is. It's yes. like, I have to tell you this thing. Nynaeve asked me to be her apprentice. She thinks I can listen to the wind. Yep. And Rand's response is like, it's a lonely life. Like mm-hmm. wisdoms don't have kids or husbands. And she's like, well, I didn't say yes or no say yes or no but it I just think it's an interesting setup of uh because Rand's character we don't really get the kind of character development that like we get from Matt for example um like we know that he has a good relationship with his dad and we are told through conversations like this one that he's a homebody like he wants a wife and kids and to stay in the two rivers like this is what the show is setting up as what he wants Mm -hmm. and the only character development we get is in conversations he has with other people we don't really see his character coming out we've talked about how in the books though rand without pov doesn't have much of a character well that's true yeah no it's like fair you take away his POV, we lose all his internal sort yeah. of angst right. about what he is being put through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could not. He he's just like the boy next door. Yes. yes. Right. He's yes. he's sort of that generic boy next door, and mm-hmm. he maintains that. Yeah. In this first episode. Yeah. That's very Yosha true. Stradowski is very sweet in the role. He's like. I think he's doing a good job with what he has, but like mm-hmm. this is who Rand is. He's yeah, kind no, of like you're a, right. you know. But it's interesting like, that they didn't like they they are traumatizing Perrin. Yes, Matt ha- comes from like a dysfunctional alcoholic family, mm-hmm. and Rand is the boy next door. Perrin, Perrin is the most confusing because Matt. Uh, you can like extrapolate what you yes. want, like Matt. That goes in line with who Matt yes. is as a character. Like you very easily can get from like this trickster who doesn't trust people who's out for his like his own luck who's out for his own mm-hmm. win very easily to get from the backstory they created to the character who exists in the Robert Jordan books yeah yeah 
Perrin. <laughs> Confounding. Yeah. That's like, I like, and Rand, same thing. Like, you can get right. from the character who Rand is in the books to the character that he is in this, which is that sort of generic boy next yeah. door who's like yeah. handsome that you think you're going to end up with, but mm-hmm. like, who knows? Right, right. But I did think that. You know, it's interesting when you bring up their conversation in that way of this idea of like Rand being like, you're going to have a really lonely life because I was thinking part of the reason they made Rand and Egwene like explicitly romantic and explicitly explicitly like physically romantic is when she goes through her trials Mm -hmm. as the accepted, it's going to hit harder because she has had that. And she will be lo- choosing to lose it again. Right. Like I think I feel like it's going to hit really, really hard if mm. we end up seeing that on screen ever. Which who knows? But like, interesting. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. I no. think I I think it could work really well. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, and then we get this outside yeah. brief shot of a murdral, which is so unnerving. And Egwene senses something. Yes. Right? Yes. She's sitting, like, Rand goes off because he's upset, I think. I honestly, a little bit stopped paying attention to Rand's feelings. <laughs> um, and Egwene has this moment where she clearly feels something mm-hmm. and is kind of like, whether it's she's sensing it or the change in the power or whatever it is. And then it cuts to this like fucking ring wraith looking motherfucker yeah, who's standing yeah. on the like stones outside on a horse. And then speaking of more Lord of the Rings, we cut yes. to Pat and Fane arriving I in town love it. in daylight in a wagon chased by children. It's it awesome. the most Gandalf moment ever. But it's a subversion of Gandalf, I know, it's right? Great. And it's great. It's great. Yes. It's, it's like such a wonderful use of a Lord of the Rings imagery because yes. it's such a great subversion because like even though you're as a viewer, like in that moment, you don't know if you haven't read the books, you don't know who Pat and Vane is. They make it clear in the episode. Yes. Like we find out, you know, 20 minutes later. Yeah. But like knowing who he is, I loved that scene. <laughs> I was like, this is great. And yeah. oh, I should have like, I never have my IMDb ready. But the actor who is playing Pat and Vane in that scene is so good. Uh, Johan Myers. Yes. Ooh, I like, he's only on screen in this episode for like five minutes, but I'm like, you're so good. I can't wait to see more of you. He's so good. You're going to be awesome. He's really, really playing it well. Uh, And then we cut to Layla and Perrin again, not speaking. It's like the briefest of flashes. They're in bed together and she's like looking at him and like kind of touching his hand just a tiny bit. And then we cut away. Like there's there's no there there. I just like don't understand what she's thinking. Like is she like upset because she wants to love him but she doesn't like i uh, i feel like we're meeting them like we the fact that we're trying to guess I what is going on is such work. a failure it's such a failure storytelling it, it yeah. just doesn't work at all no, uh, no. but like so then we get the scene of uh matt coming to Pat and fane paid and fane whatever and wanting to sell this bracelet that he stole and this guy johan myers is there's just something simmering underneath that works so well and it's again this like innocence of matt where he's he's never he can't meet this guy he's nowhere near this guy's level right right and he just gets taken advantage of it's so it's so good. I can't get over it. I'm like so happy with this <laughs> casting. I feel like he's 
depending on what they do with Padme's yes. character and how far it goes, like yeah. he is gonna be wonderful mm-hmm. and terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then, well, sorry, I'm laughing a little bit at my notes for this section, the sequence between Moiraine and Lan. It just my notes just says literally Lan says no things. Okay, so my notes are. <laughs> It's like that scene in Ocean's Eleven. Yes, that's what it is. Oh my god! Because right. Moiraine is like, you think one of the eyeless is here, and Land doesn't say anything, and she goes, "Then we both have work to do today." And I was like, "Man, it's George Clooney and Brad Pitt." And George Clooney is like, "You think we need one more? You think we need one more? Yeah, we'll get one more." Yeah, <laughs> it's you're right. You're just right. Like immediately, oh. that was what came to mind, and I was I like, "I couldn't right. figure it out." It reminded me of something, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but you just did. That's what. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. I feel like I am on board with Moiraine and Land being George Clooney and Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't fight it. I can't fight it. Right. Uh, and then there's this like sweet scene between Rand and Egwene that's a little like sad but nice. Yeah. You're like, oh. Right. I don't really right. care about this scene, honestly. No. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. I'm more yeah. invested in the next scene, which I I think is the best change they made. Well, so just to touch on the scene between Rand and Egwene where she's like, she's finally like, I'm going to. And he's like, I already know. Yeah. And, you know, it's what I what I think makes me OK with them being explicitly sexual with each other is that this moment is still so sweet and like so it feels very like coming of age again it's like this moment where their paths are diverging Mm -hmm. and they're sad about it and they like they don't quite know how to handle it but they're doing their best like that I think it captures the spirit of the Egwene and Rand relationship which Mm -hmm. is what I want more than no I agree with you I agree with you and again like I keep coming back to this fade to black but the fade to black matters yeah it does it It really does does. we use that term in like um young adult novels it's a fade to black because you're like the implication is there but like we don't need to see it right Right. It's like fine. There's nothing wrong with showing it necessarily no. if it serves the story, but like you don't have to have it to have the story. Exactly. <clears throat> Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so yes, now this wonderful, wonderful yes. scene that I'm so thankful exists in this yes, television go, show. Go. Because as as longtime listeners will know, I have a <laughs> specific frustration with the way Jordan writes Nynaeve as we continue to go on through the series. Which is, there is no reason for her to hate Moiraine so much. It doesn't make sense after a certain point in the storytelling. What Judkins has thankfully done (laughs) is given Nynaeve a reason for her anger at the Aes Sedai. And so Moiraine representing the Aes Sedai specifically. Mm. So she's like in this weird bathing pool, like, secret women's council area and cleaning or something and Moiraine comes in and is like kind of asking how old she is mm-hmm. and Nynaeve is like 25 26 right that's what they yep. say yep so too old for the prophecy um but we find out that Nynaeve has beef with the Aes Sedai because her wisdom who brought her to the village because Nynaeve is not from Emensfield uh knew that she had that power and went to the Aes Sedai and the Aes Sedai ignored her because she didn't look the part. Mm-hmm. 
And so she was kind of dismissed out of hand for being a peasant, for being whatever, for not looking like an Aes Sedai should look. And I was like, thank you so much for giving this to Nynaeve because she needed it so badly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I also was wondering, there's this whole like thing about Nynaeve being an orphan and like nobody knows where she's from and I was like oh I wonder like are they gonna turn that into a thing later like that maybe interesting but I totally agree it is so nice to have her have a very specific and understandable motivation Mm -hmm. so yeah super super good change super good change Uh, such a smart a smart call Um, And, and then we go to this scene which I also really loved of Egwene and Nynaeve listening to oh, the Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. You're oh. skipping you're skipping this, like, moment with Matt Rand and Perrin. Am I? Rand... Oops, I didn't write it down. Yeah, because yeah, Rand's... I wrote it down because Rand's sad. Oh. <laughs> and Matt's like... Basically, Matt's like, buddy, I can read you like a book. What did that girl do to you? <laughs> oh, is this the moment when he's giving them... The, he They give him the money for the lanterns? I think so, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Is so, that, maybe. This was a moment that I was like, oh, that's a nice friend moment. Like, yeah, the two right? of them are like, you that lost might be, money That gambling. actually might be a little bit later. Is it? It's, oh yeah, it is it's later. Just it is briefly later. before that, okay, there's this right. very brief moment where Rand is sort of like wallowing a little bit, <laughs> and Matt comes over after like be after his like hard night and after like yeah. kind of being dicked around by Pat and Bane, and is like, buddy buddy it's okay you're like oh buddy buddies uh then we get that scene i i also really really liked the scene of of Nynaeve and Egwene listening to the wind and like the ominous sort of yeah terrifying moment that's then paired with lan yeah and i think also i just i you know the wind is such a character in the book like the wind opens the book's in most cases, opens chapters, like the mm-hmm. wind is like the thing that moves you through the story initially. And so it also felt like a nice like reference or homage to that part of Jordan's writing style. Like yeah. that they're gonna they're gonna focus so heavily on this idea of listening to the wind in this mm-hmm. first episode. So that was nice. No, I agree. I I really enjoyed it. And I just thought it was it also like hearkened Jordan's like suspense and and kind of horror yes. writing really yes. well because yes. you have that moment yeah. where there's clearly like there is this like building of something scary mm-hmm. and then it cuts to Lan who has found these mutilated like goats or sheep or something or and deer or something yeah whatever they are like sh- it laid out into the shape of a dragon's fang yeah yeah and it's just like <laughs> it's it's really nice because uh, there is some of that lost I think in the choice to not be clear about who the dragon reborn is Mm, mm, um mm. because okay so then moiraine's kind of watching everybody like she's walking through town watching the boys Mm -hmm. she sees after her conversation with Nynaeve she we see like this is the moment where like Perrin and Rand are like giving Matt money and he first says no and then he says thank you and takes it which I Mm -hmm. thought was like a lovely sort of note of very real friendship yes yes 100 percent, genuine right yeah because his like it's and it was nice to be like I feel like a lesser writer would have taken that moment and Matt it would have been about Matt's pride mm-hmm. but it wasn't it was about the relationship which I really really liked because yes. like that's not his folly like he's smarter than saying no right right but, like I think an instinct if you don't know the books yeah would be this this will be a prideful character. Right, 
Right. Like, nope. Nope. <laughs> he just does what it takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> takes um, what he can get. And that kicks off this sort of like lantern yeah. thing, right? It's interesting. So there's a... <clears throat> there is. There's this whole idea of these lanterns, which apparently are... Um, Guides to come back home. Yeah, which we find out from Rand and Tam, because they don't stay in town. They leave mm-hmm. uh, to go back to the farm, partly because Rand is, like, feeling pissy, I think. I uh, Rand's sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they have this whole conversation on the way about... Um, like reincarnation and having mm-hmm. lost their yeah. his mother and you know what it like what it all like the wheel of time is introduced which is cool and interesting mm-hmm. yeah I think it works really well it doesn't feel expositiony it doesn't no. feel info dumpy yeah. like it just feels like a very genuine conversation between Rand and Tam mm-hmm. and then we kind of see brief moments of everybody doing the lantern thing and Nynaeve's was the most interesting to me because it's like who is she crying for? Yes. Yes. She's like by herself doing yes. this. Like it was very like they are they're clearly creating some sort of backstory for Nynaeve, which I'm fine with. Like oh, yeah. go to town. I hope it I hope it's like strong. And and for the most part, all of the changes they've made, barring that one big one, like I agree with and I like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. At least yeah. so far in this in this one episode. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. There is and then this- there's this weird moment where I literally are you gonna talk about Egwene and Moiraine? Yes. Yeah. I wrote I like this weird moment between Egwene and Moiraine and Egwene's little weird startled breath. Yeah. They're like they basically like pass each other in the woods mm-hmm. and don't say anything to nope. each other. They just have this like stare down sort of. Yep. <laughs> it's really it's, odd. It's weird, but I liked it. It was like this weird moment that I was like, this was one where I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to read this, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm all right because I think Egwene in Egwene takes a much stronger stance in this episode yeah. for obvious reasons than she does in the books. Um, but she is very she's complicated she's not just like a strong character yes. she's like yes at points as weak as points as strong as points mm-hmm. as confused like so it, to me it just kind of lent itself to Egwene not knowing who she is and not kind of knowing what her place is in the story is yeah. yet yeah Fair and enough. it worked yeah and then the we dancing. go to Marin, festival director. I, I love, love it. how she's like, all right, everybody, if like we're bringing our loved one's spirits home, like let's give them something to come home to. Let's party. It's so <laughs> great. And you get the like folk dancing and mm-hmm. it's just a really fun, really well choreographed scene. I was noticing again with the costuming, everybody's skirts are divided, which we know is such a big, like Jordan pays so much attention to the clothing in the books. So I was like, oh, there's the divided skirts. Like it's just so, it's so well done. It's so atmospheric. Like obviously we haven't talked about it yet, but the settings is beautiful. Stunning. Like wherever they filmed, I think it was like Prague or Yeah, they they filmed all over, but I think they built a studio in Prague, that Vanity Fair article. Yes, that's right. They did say they built their own studio. But anyway, wherever they are, it's stunning. And like then to have this like very just joyful, you know, lived in feeling Mm -hmm. uh, festival. It I just it really captures the heart. It worked really well. 
And the I do want to point out the band that is playing has women in it, which I liked. Oh, nice. I didn't notice. I, like, I, I didn't notice it. the band at all. <laughs> There's like a moment it pans by and I was like, well, that never happens. It's always like two old men. Yes. <laughs> It's true. You're right. You're like, right. that was kind of nice. And so there's like this wonderful dancing sequence, which is the perfect place yeah. for the introduction of the violence, which is this poor kid, Tom, we never knew you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Tom. Uh, gets like stabbed in the chest with a trollic blade in f- directly in front of Egwene and then falls forward. And there's this terrifying trollic oh. like standing behind her. Yeah. Yeah. A- and like, I get it in the this is where there's like this moment of like loss for me in perspective from Rand's perspective, because that is one of my favorite scenes in the first book uh, at Rand's farm. It's yeah. so scary. It's so good. And we get like a tiny snippet of it because he's not the POV. Right. Like he is not right. the main character in the yeah. story right now. Yeah. And so we don't get to see like the edging back along the dark field, trying to get supplies to save his father. Right, we don't right. see the trollic saving him. Right. Like we don't see any of that. It's like, yeah. we get a lot of, we get that brief moment then with um, Rand and Tam in their house. Like it cuts from that trollic moment to Rand and Tam. Right. Mm. Cause like, then we see them in the thing and they're chatting and they're talking right. and then that trollic bursts through the door. And this is where Tam pulls out his heron marked blade. I, I have that later. Is that later? Yeah, I have that. So I have it more, I have more in the village before we get to that point. Um, So the trollics are attacking the villagers of Eamon Field. And just before we get into the specifics, I did appreciate that the trollics do look like a bright, like, animal thing. Yes! That they're yes. not, like, they didn't go the, like, speaking of Lord of the Rings, they didn't go the orcs route, which are, like, clearly just stand-ins for people of color. Like, these look yep. like weird, deformed animal hybrid monsters. They don't look like stereotypes of people. Yes, no, I agree with you. They are just, like, there's a moment where one of the Trollocs and the thing, like, reaches out and he has, like, a human hand Ugh. and grabs something, and I was like, ooh! Yeah, it's just, I hate that. So creepy and weird. Yeah. So, and then we get this amazing sequence of like Nynaeve rescuing Egwene and like yeah. protecting her, and the two of them like trying to move through this and help other people. And we see Pat and Fane like yes. standing in a corner, seeing what's going down, oh. and just like putting down his beer and like and disappearing. Away. But I want to. It would. It's juxtaposed with like because we get a scene of Pat and Fane when the the festivities are happening. Yes. In that same shot. Yes. And he's laughing and clapping. Uh-huh. And then there's like a switch that flips and it's so good. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And Matt has to uh, find his sisters. Mm-hmm. He finds his parents and discovers that they don't know where the girls are. So he has to leave the safety of where he found them to go look for the girls. And you're just like, oh. And then we get Rand and Tam. Yes, and, yes, yes. and there's only, this is another thing that I didn't love about their rendition of the attack on the farm. There's only one Trolloc. Well, it's yeah. kind of, of random. I think they had to. I mean, it doesn't totally make sense. I think they had to because if they had added too many, yeah. they would have had to spend too much time there. Right. And you're right. We only get the slightest little thing. Like, we we get this great fight between. Yes, Tam is awesome. Tam is amazing. Like, like, they're fending off fight. the Trolloc with, like, you know, whatever they have to hand until Tam finally goes and dives under the bed. You pull out the sword, you see the heron on the blade, mm-hmm. 
And then he like is holding his own. Yeah. I mean, they tag team killing the Trolloc ultimately. And that's how Tam gets wounded. But like Tam comes off as such a badass. He comes off such a badass. It's it's a really awesome fight. I just am so sad that we didn't get I like know. that. That seems so good and it's so scary. Ugh, and like I is. fully understand why. Yeah. Ish. But I, I will say that like the the whole journey in the book that Rand takes to take Tam to yes. the two rivers to get help is like such a visual even yes. like even if you're not getting Rand's internal monologue and like Tam's like fevered you know spilling of secrets about Rand's parentage right? like, even if you take that out you don't get to see Rand bringing to, you just get to see him arrive later so like you it is a I feel like it was a real lost opportunity I know you I have agree. to cut some things but like cut Layla and give me more of that like I, I don't agree understand why I you, agree anyway so speaking of Ugh. you know yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that was like a real disservice actually yeah. to Rand's character. Um yeah. I did love this moment before we get to the uh Layla thing because there are a few things that happen before yes, that. Yes. Um Nynaeve has this moment where she and Egwene are sort of in this like alley, like they were they're trying to save people, it's like not working, and this trollic comes and screams, and Nynaeve yes. screams back at him. And I know that that effect has been used yes. for humor mm-hmm. quite frequently. Like I think it's Captain Marvel, it's in the mummy, like they use yeah. this effect with the like scary person coming in yelling and then the other person yelling back at them to be like, You're not that bad. This though gave me goosebumps because it wasn't she wasn't trying to scare it. It was like Zoe Robbins is so good because yeah. it's Nynaeve's anger and frustration that comes yes. out. And then she just like starts stabbing the yes. fuck out of this trolley. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. Oh. Yeah. And then like and then. they're losing the fight against this trolley. And then you see this like white sort of Ooh. like, you know, strands of something coming through the air and it rips the trolley in half. And Ooh. then you see Moiraine channeling the bejesus out of everything and Lan like doing this fight around her. And the choreography there too is so good. It's so good. It's like, and, and both. Uh, Rosamund Pike and Daniel Henney have spoken to how that was like formative in their partnership and building their partnership was in this sort of like uh, choreographed dancing fighting thing they're doing with each other because they Uh are within each other's circles constantly right and so like they had to be like super aware of movement and super aware of the connection between these two characters and you really see it yeah on screen like it's really really wonderful to watch yeah like her hand movements are so yes. cool. Yes. I like the way that they've represented channeling in this. Yes. Like, it's obviously pretty different from how it's described in the books, but I'm mm-hmm. on board with these changes. I don't mind the, like, visual manifestations. I think it's interesting, too, because you see these, like, strands connecting to, like, the mountains or so, or, like, other, like, actual objects mm-hmm. um, that I think gives some presaging as to, like, the fact that there are elemental parts to yeah. the source um, and we're seeing like Moiraine's connection with Earth, for example, right here and now. I mean, she's also throwing fireballs and like ripping Trollocs and <laughs> most of it is Earth based yeah. that she does. And so I think that's that's an I hope that they build on that because that was cool. No, I agree. Um, we also get some kind of general sort of like 
people of two rivers fighting and for the most part for the most part in terms of the fighting i really liked it because this was another moment that again like 95 percent of it felt very genderless to me it felt very much like people who were just fighting and making the choices they had to make there is one moment (laughs) where it's like all the women gang up on one trollic and it felt very like look we're subverting things because the women are doing what the men usually do and i didn't like that no no i didn't i it didn't need it just replacing one gender with another is not actually that interesting it's not to me so no it's not and so everything else though very much it never felt gendered like nothing about it there was no like the women are fighting this way and the men are fighting. Right. It was like literally right. like, like you grab fight a to survive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grab what you can. And we see it in Perrin and Layla who have kind of sequestered themselves in the forage area and there is this trollic there. And I didn't catch this until my second viewing of the episode. Yeah. But Perrin grabs the axe to fight and Layla is fighting with the hammer. Yeah. Which I don't know what it means, but it means something if the books are any indication. Well, and not for nothing, like this is the only place we actually see them working as partners. Like we see them defending each other, defending others, like, you know, working around each other to try to take down these monsters. And it like... It it certainly does not make up for any of the other bits of Layla, but it was the best scene that she had on screen. I guess it's the best scene she had on screen. I agree with you there. I don't think it inspired any sort of connection because we just saw the great connection between Moiraine and Lan. Well, that's true. And And Egwene and Nynaeve, actually. And Egwene and Nynaeve, right. And so then to Perrin and Layla actually didn't really strike me as a partnership. It just struck me as two people who were doing what they needed to survive and fighting as hard as they could to live. No, you're right. You're right. But not really. Because they each have their individual moments. Right. That's true. That's true. In a way that, again, like Lan and uh, and Moiraine and Nynaeve and Egwene, like, don't totally happen the same way. Right. Like it felt like two and and we're I think we're meant to feel that mm. based on how that ends, right? Well, right. So Pan yeah. is not aware of where Layla is in the room. He's not aware right. of what she's doing. And yeah. then and not for nothing, Layla also doesn't seem to be aware because of where Perrin is. Like, so what happens is Perrin is like, I think the show is setting up this dynamic about him being afraid of losing control. Yes. Because there's this moment where he's like, he finally gets this trollic down on the floor and he's like, you know, bashing and bashing with the axe. And you hear this like ringing in the ears noise and he, there's like mm-hmm. blood spatter everywhere and he's just totally focused on it. And then he hears something behind him. He turns around using the axe and he's like, killed Layla like she's ripped yep. open her stomach with the axe but she's standing there with the axe up like she's gonna yes. hit him yeah so it's like a really confusing moment on both of their parts like you don't. understand what happened with Perrin but we don't know why Layla was there in the first place like I... that like it it doesn't make any sense because the trollic is already down like what is she why was her hand why, why were her, her hands, hands up? up like it doesn't and then of course now you've all you've done is I mean you've traumatized your character he killed his own wife by accident like now he is traumatized forever thanks a lot like thanks for nothing there's so so... many other ways to like motivate to like create that trauma to create that sort of like 
necessity and character. Like anybody is going to come out of this fight traumatized to some degree. And you could have easily done like it could have been like his blacksmith mentor. Like anything else. You could have done anything else other than giving him a wife that he has no connection to and then making him kill her. Immediately murder. It's so stupid. I just don't understand. I hate it. I hate it a lot. And and we'll see. Like maybe something in the eight episodes in this season will make it make sense. But like right now. I'm not I just, holding my breath. I cannot fathom what the thought process was. No. And then there was not anybody, like you said earlier, in the writer's room who was like, maybe this is a bad idea. Perhaps we should not do the thing that has an entire trope named I after mean, it because it's done so frequently. It's so stupid. Like, all right. All right. Let's move Okay. It, sorry. Move it sorry. Sorry. No, no. Sorry, we sorry, could. Sorry. I'm with you. I could talk about this forever, but let's not. So, uh, oh, yeah. So then, cool as shit. Right. Because we cut back to outside. And Moiraine gets injured. Uh, that happens in a second because oh, okay. first Nynaeve has to get pulled oh, off by God. her braid, which is horrible. Right. It happens super fast Ooh. in like a second. This is not something that happens in the book. Mm-mm. Nynaeve is pulled away by a trollic, taken by her braid, literally dragged out, out from under Egwene's nose. And Egwene doesn't know what to do. And so, oh, that actually happens before the fridging, whatever. Yeah. Um, this happens just before the fridging. And she kind of like runs off horrified. Then the very confusing fridging happens. And then uh, Nynaeve, not Nynaeve, uh, Moiraine gets stabbed with a trollic blade in the shoulder. And yeah. that is not, that is also not a thing that happens in no. the books. No, no, no. Um, She's just drained in the books from expending so yeah. much channeling energy. But yeah, she does not get physically wounded in the book. Um, And so it's kind of like, it's, it's funny because I feel like, Lan in this first episode has so many more opinions than he does in the the first book. (laughs) Um, He's a very opinionated character, which comes out later in the later book. So they're just sort of pulling it forward, which I'm okay with. Mm -hmm. Um, But then this is kind of where Moiraine is like, all right, we got to get down to business. (laughs) Yes. Because also there are suddenly more Trollocs even. Yeah. Like it looks like they're doing well, but then all of a sudden there's more and then one of them's on a horse and it's just like... It's, it's like a bad. whole thing. It's a whole thing. And so there's that ho- this whole sequence where she's just like pulling bricks and pieces of the like buildings behind her to lash out and throw at these Trollocs until she just literally beats them down. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's really cool. It is really cool. And I also really appreciated the moment where like the, you know, like she's killed all the Trollocs and then slowly the houses behind her start yeah. to fall and so like, does she like they all collapse at the same moment yeah and it's, it's cool. just so like it's a cool visual moment it is the, i will say the like visuals work really well for me yeah. in this in this first episode like everything felt so grand and mm-hmm. when it needed to feel grand and like uh it felt like familiar when it needed to like it, all of it just worked for me yeah I think, for the yeah, most part yeah. no I, agree. I do like so like that's kind of where the battle wraps and I am still you know I understand that they want to obfuscate who the dragon reborn is yeah because you know they're pulling away from all rand pov we've got four Taverin. they've been very clear like the dragon reborn can be anyone I don't know how I feel about it. 
I don't know how I'll feel. Like, I don't, do you think they would change who the Dragon Reborn is? <laughs> it's funny because there have been some joking Twitter conversations about that. I mean, I no, there's no way. Right? They, like, they have a book expert. They love the books. The books are their thing. I think what they're thinking is if you know, you know. And if you don't, and if you don't. you don't know, why not introduce a little mystery? That's fair. Like, it's why just, not? I don't know. It's like frustrating to me because I feel like we are missing out on scenes because oh. of that. Well, a hundred percent, I agree. I mean, scenes that I want to see, though. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think that. I mean, I was going to say this at the end, but since we're talking about it now, I think one of the real shortfalls of this episode is that it's so much action that mm-hmm. you are getting so little information. Like, there are some voiceovers here and some, in, like, some information yeah. there. But, like, on the whole, you're like, okay, what? Like, you're just thrown into this extremely action-y situation. And, like, I'm not a TV maker. I don't freaking know, like, what the rules are. But to me, this is too much action without any foundation for like why we care like it's all very dramatic and it's beautiful and the actors are doing their best with what they've been given and most of them are doing extremely well but like it's I don't know if I had not read the books like how would I feel about this I genuinely don't know because I have read the books so I don't but it just seems to me like a missed opportunity to like slow it down a little bit and like build some feeling for these characters and why we care about them like I get it in terms of like you have eight episodes in this first season right you gotta shoot your shot you have to do what you can and that big battle scene in Ian's Field is very exciting but you have to be able to get there and then I guess we can just wrap this wrap this the, the actual television episode up so like Rand gets there the morning after. We miss all of that stuff with him. This is like what we said. Yeah. We miss all that stuff with him in the woods. So we we don't hear any of Tam's ramblings or anything. And he he finds out. Egwene tells him that Nynaeve has been taken. Yeah. Um. She brings you know uh, Moiraine over to heal Tam, and that happens. Um. And then yeah. oh well, and then Matt and his family come out, mm-hmm. or Matt comes out with his sisters and they have their reunion with the mother and the father is just kind of awkwardly standing there yeah clearly feeling bad that he didn't do anything but mad about it yeah and, and nobody then, says thank you to matt side note like I nobody know. ever acknowledges she, like what a good job matt did it's a little finding heartbreaking his sisters and saving them like come because on now. his mom is like my 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 girls yes like, my she babies yeah she's not excited matt is alive mm-hmm. she she doesn't she barely even like interacts with him yeah directly um, which is why this next moment is all the more like again another lovely friendship moment when yeah. Perrin comes out with yes. Layla. Oh my god! And Matt sees him mm-hmm. and says, "Perrin, yeah, Perrin," and then comes over and just like puts his hand on his shoulder, despite that, like, what he's just gone through. Yeah, yeah, it's such a that was the other really good friend moment. I thought. Yeah, yeah I agree. Absolutely. Um, and so then more like Rand has this like I, I love my no, my note here is where I'm like I like that Rafe Jenkins maintained that misplaced anger towards I should yeah. die <laughs> because yeah. like Moiraine heals Tam and Rand is immediately like well you got here and then these got here right. and then da, da, da. this is like, all okay, your fault relax yeah. and then immediately Moiraine is like here are all of the things that yeah 
<laughs> right. And she's just like, nope, they're after you four. You're and all who Aaron. just all happen to be standing right there, of course. I know. And conveniently. Conveniently. And that's like, you're bananas, but yeah. okay. Right. And then she's like, if and they're following you. Like, they're not following me. I came for the same reason they came. They're here for you. And then they, like, look off into the distance and see that there's, like, more coming. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you have to leave with me. And, and then they do. They like, do. Out of like and like no parent says anything. Nobody like is There's like no well, like we, uh, we don't know you. You just got here. Like, come on now. This is another moment where like this is what I was talking about earlier, where I'm like so glad Egwene is being involved at this level. However, I mm. think it's a great loss that she doesn't get her moment of agency yeah. that she has in the books because Egwene is the only one yeah. who chooses to go. Yeah. Not because she has to, but because she wants to. Right. And like, I hope that later on we get to see that from her because I think it's formative and I think it's yeah. important. Yeah. So like that kind of bummed me out a little bit as much as I am like delighted that she is of equal standing in terms of where the boys exist. Yeah. But like... I'm like, come on. I, I want know. that moment from Egwene because she hasn't had that moment in in that first episode. We don't really see that moment from her. Yeah. I mean, we see that she wants something more That's than like right. to be Rand's wife and have yes. babies. Like she wants something more for but herself. She, but there's, I want the action. I yeah, want that, I know. Like, I hear you. That, I hear that you. very, because it's like Egwene in that first book is the oh, yeah. only one who's like, I'm coming. Yeah. And they're all like, are you sure? She's like, no, 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 I'm coming. I'm yeah. doing this. You can't stop me. I'm coming. Yeah. And it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's, it is awesome. It's, it's like one of my favorite things. And I think it's so indicative of who she is. Like that's yeah. her whole thing. She right. acts. Right. And so I really hope that they'll find a way to like yeah. bring that out in her later on so we get to see it. No, I agree. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. Um, the I, I did think it was a little funny. So like as they're like writing away, everybody kind of has their moments of like looking at each other and like. Yeah. Whatever. Rand is wearing the Heronmarked sword. It's very funny to me that we oh, never yeah. see. Like, it, this is where I'm just like, you're pulling back too much on yeah. Rand. Like, I get yeah. you don't want to give anything away, but you're like, you're pulling back too much. Right. Because now we don't know the significance of things that are going to be significant that are, That are going to matter. Yeah. 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 There was, and, I don't want to forget to say, there was an interesting note when they see that like more work, more Trollocs were coming. Uh-huh. There's this line where Lan is like, how did they get here so fast? Oh, yeah. And I was like, way gates. gates. We you don't know way about gates, the way gates yet. <laughs> Loyal is coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's, but yes, no, totally. Like there's, there's just like, like they're, they don't, you don't see them say goodbye to the parents. No. You don't see... I, you just don't see any of this. Like, Marianne's like, we're leaving now. And they're like, okay. And it just is so, it's it's weak. It feels really weak to me. It was a, yeah, I wonder, I, I don't know, maybe we'll get, like, flashbacks later yeah, to see maybe. conversations or, like, it did, for, for a show, it, it felt like they were like, all right, we're at, we're hitting that 54-minute mark. We got to wrap up. We got to, right. like, cut some stuff. Because, like. I agree. I feel like they had those, like, really strong conversations with Tam at the top. Yeah. And then nothing and right. it's also like weird to me that Perrin like granted he's he was the married one but like no Master Luan no, no like it's again like a little bit to the detriment of the character 100% like, I think, to the detriment of the character like they can still be as old as they are without yes. losing that as clearly you did it with Rand right like right. you had that right I wonder if it was because they needed to differentiate Perrin from Rand I, because they are not all that different. 
if you take away I mean, the ranch POV. I like, can't agree with that. But well, no, no, no. I don't mean in terms of like char- actual character. I mean in terms of like who they are in book one and the stories that take away Rand's POV. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, sure. Right. There's not all that much. Like Matt has, again, we come right. back to this like idea of Matt has a personality and has a perspective. Right. Rand right. and Perrin... Right, Perrin is quiet and reserved by design, so you, like, very deliberately don't know that much about him. And Rand is just the boy next door. He doesn't have that much going on yet. So, like, When you're not inside someone's head, how do you differentiate the two? Because Perrin does get a POV in that first book to allow him some differentiation. Right, right, towards the end there, yeah. it's uh, No, and Shatter Logoth, like, after Shatter Logoth. Right, 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 right. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I think they made I think they made some poor choices. I personally. think I hope that the choices will become contextualized later. Yeah, yeah. because this is just the first episode, right, and they are right. dropping the first three right all together. So we are going to kind of drop all three of these episodes together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'll see in the next one if we feel better about any of these choices. Yeah, I will say. Okay, one last note. Okay. Which is that it ends. I just don't want to miss this. It ends with another Moiraine voiceover, right. and she's doing the wind thing. She's like, um, "Oh yeah, yeah, a wind yeah, yeah. rose and blah blah blah." It was neither beginning nor ending. Like she's doing the but this whole. This is a beginning. It's yeah. the opposite of ours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was another interesting choice to bracket this first episode with Moiraine voiceovers that are yeah. very. Uh, expositional, but also very stylistically tied to the books. Mm-hmm. No, I liked it. It worked. I think more worked for me than did not. Yeah, it's funny too because I think I would have felt differently about this had I not just seen Dune, which I have a lot of feelings about that okay. weren't necessarily good. Um, and it's another big honking you know, book that is pivotal to speculative fiction in a lot of ways. And the choices that Villeneuve made there, I really had some problems with. (laughs) So I think, like, I have to admit that it's difficult to adapt something that's this complex and dense and has so many characters and so much going on. Like, I think it's fair to say that, like, yes, that is a difficult task. And so I think coming off of that, I actually feel a little bit better about this than I might have well, that's otherwise. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, like I have I have quibbles. I think it made some weird choices and some poor choices, but it definitely like grabs you and shakes you and is like, here we are. I think it made a lot of good choices. That's the thing is like in terms of adapting. Yeah. There are things that I didn't, we, there are clearly like pieces we have problems with, but there's so much that I liked about it. Like, I feel like I'm at like 80, 20 right now. Okay. Like I liked 80% of it. There were 20, unfortunately, like that one thing in that 20%, I like really didn't like, but yeah, it's like, how do you wait that, uh, uh, but, but for the most part, like, I really, really liked it a lot more than I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing more. Like, I want more from yes. these characters. Yes. I want to see more from – I really, really liked Barney Harris as Matt. Yeah. I'm, I'm really bummed out he's cast – like, recast for the second season. I know. Um, I wonder if we'll ever find out what happened. I don't know. Maybe he got cast in something else. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall – I liked it, and and we'll be you can you can click play on the next episode right now, actually, um, <laughs> if you don't want to sit through the outro. <laughs> 
And you can keep an eye out for our television show recap episodes on Saturdays at noon Eastern, since we are currently paused with our book recap stuff. And you can follow along uh, the conversation, mostly on social, at hashtag TarValinOrBust. And lots of thanks go out to our amazing Patreon supporters, Janae H., Jennifer P., Peace Vulcan, Rio, Christina G., Kaitali S., Charlie E., Arcade, Stephen S., James, Barry Q., Ruth A., Catherine, Support Your Local Library, Sam S., David U., Amy R., Maradim, Mimi K., Amanda, Mark D., Heather J., Christina M., Malia H., Keith, Sirius G., Olivia K., Joshua S., Nicholas E., Michelle S., Michelle D., Danae, Destination Toast, MJ, Kat S., Jericho W., Saber Bouquet, Thomas K., Elizabeth F., Emily, Evans K., Ola J., Yulia S., and Brian D. Uh, and if you want to hang out with us over on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash or bust. Our posts about the episode recaps in which we uh, have conversations are all going to be open to the public, but we do Patreon patron only posts with like polls and and talking about other pieces of show lore or book lore um and it's only a dollar and a big thank you goes out to brian dunn our fellow wheel of time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast you can find more of his work at BrianDunnMusic.net, and that's brian with a y and done with two n's and if you're enjoying the show, please do leave a review and or rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It really helps other people find the show, and we really like reading it. <laughs> <laughs> we like it the most. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, you can find us on social media. I am at Run With Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S, on basically everything. Uh, and you can also find me co-hosting the podcast Desi Geek Girls, along with Swapna Krishna. Who is also the best. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And this episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. Mm-hmm.